Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Oh, here, right. Andres, the China. WrestleMania! Hulkamania is running wild. Yes. My God, what a Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views where, well, pretty much what the title says, I go back to the vault, uh, as it were, and look at the pay-per-views of yesteryear and give an honest criticism and review of these pay-per-views. <laughs> and most of them I have seen already that I have you know currently scheduled to be doing on here. And some of them I will be seeing for the very first time. Others I will be seeing for the first time in several years since the first and only times that I've seen some of them. But this one is a pay-per-view that I've seen several times uh, over the last 18 years. Uh, and I am, of course, if you, you know, didn't already know from the thumbnail and the title of the damn thing, I am talking about Survivor Series 2002, which emanated live from Madison Square Garden in my home of New York City, and before I even get to what the details of the pay-per-view itself were, I'm just going to go ahead and say that it is my all-time favorite Survivor Series pay-per-view as of this moment, but with this year's Survivor Series coming up uh, in just one week, as a matter of fact, uh, this one has the potential to possibly take that top spot, but we shall see in one week. But yes, Survivor Series 2002, which was also the debut of the Elimination Chamber, uh, which was, of course, the main event of this pay-per-view. And one of the great fascinating facts about this pay-per-view is that this is one of the only pay-per-views that I can think of uh, in my almost 30 years of being a professional wrestling fan, sports entertainment fan, that every single championship that was on the line changed hands. And how often does it happen on not just WWE pay-per-views, but wrestling pay-per-views in general, you know? Um, but yeah, we kicked off this pay-per-view. We had, it was the six-man elimination tables match. It was three-minute warning, which have consisted of Jamal and Rosie. Of You know, unfortunately, both of them have passed away over the last decade, and that's just, uh, I mean, Jamal, of course, was also Umaga, and Rosie is uh, Roman Reigns' brother, uh, and their partner, Rico, uh, who, I believe he's retired from professional wrestling, has had a good career as a security guard in Vegas. Uh, I'm not sure if he's still doing that, but uh, here he's doing very well for, him, for himself, um, and hopefully he is doing very well for himself. Uh, and they were taking on the team of Bubba Ray Dudley, Spike Dudley, and Jeff Hardy. Uh, this is, a, you know, around the time where, you know, Jeff Hardy had supposedly lost his passion for wrestling and was just kind of phoning it in for the time of his WWE career when he before he got released in 2003. And, you know, but I'll talk about that on another podcast on a, another time. Maybe, probably, who knows, maybe not. Uh, and, yeah, this was a... Yeah, six-man tag team elimination tables match, uh, which, again, that's the other thing about this pay-per-view, other than just all the belts changing hands, that every match, with the exception of the Cruiserweight title match, which I will get to in a little bit, that all the matches featured on here had, you know, that survival element to them, which was just really cool, you know? Uh, which, I mean, to me, a lot of the Survivor Series pay-per-views in recent years haven't really had that survival, you know, 
feel to them. But again, hopefully this year is with Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Hopefully that'll change that. Um, but yeah, we the, the what was also pretty cool about this is that this is also because the tables match was introduced in WWE at the Royal Rumble in 2000, also at Madison Square Garden. Um, which you know, give you a little heads up, I'll be covering that on the Classic Wrestling pay-per-view in January of 2020 because it'll be exactly 20 years on, to the day of the 2000 Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Uh, and this one is being... This Survivor Series 2002 uh, episode is exactly 18 years exactly on the day set from 2002, November 17th, uh, which is also two years... This is... This is also the two-year anniversary of Justice League, but you know, want to hear, want to see what's going on with that? Just go on Twitter and check the hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Um, yeah, the you know there was a couple of the spots in this in this tables match where they did kind of screw it up, but uh, was, you know you can kind of blame it on Jeff Hardy because you know this is when he was you know very much into his his drug addiction, and I know he's had his you know alcohol issues this year, which sucks and no idea what's going to come of that uh, since he's been out with his injury but you know anyways back to this pay-per-view um uh the one that the, the spot that i remember is uh that when rico's about to do the, the moonsault off the top rope to bubba ray through the table and jeff uh is late and coming running back to the ring after he did his swanton bomb spot from the balcony area of the in the crowd through the table that he had to run back to the ring and shake the ropes, which, I mean, it can, you can also say it's Rico's fault, Rico's fault, because um, he ran up the, the to the top ropes, you know, to do for that spot a little too a little early, then you know, give Jeff enough time to, you know, you know, get his bearings, uh, as they say, and you know, run back out to the ring to get that spot done. Um, but it was still a very good match, and you know, other than the Swanton bomb, bomb off the little balcony area through the table, the big highlight of the match was the return of Devon Dudley. Because for that, up until that point, he had been Reverend Devon over on SmackDown. Uh, since this this was the first year of the original brand extension brand split uh, for the WWE, uh, and. After having his falling out with Deacon Batista, he made his return as Devon Dudley, no longer Reverend Devon, in this tables match to uh, assist his brother Bubba Ray putting Rico through the table with a 3D for the win and set, and had the Madison Square Garden crowd go insane and love every minute of it because it's, it's New York. They're both from New York and, you know, we love them. Um, and also when Rico went through the table, he... Uh, Got a nasty gash on his forearm, which left a nasty blood spot in the middle of the ring. Uh, I remember on the the DVD that I used to have for Survivor Series 2002 that they had the, the the backstage interview with him, where he's getting bandaged up, and he was saying, you know, that you know that this this is you know this is all part of the job, and unless I'm dead out there in the ring, I'm not gonna stop. Which, you know, it's cool to have that kind of passion, but you know, at the same time, know your limits. Uh, then after this match, we had, like I said, we had the Cruiserweight title match. It was uh, Billy Kidman uh, against the reigning champion at that time, Jamie Noble. Uh, this was a very fun match. It was a pretty short match. Um, 
Uh, at least in comparison, like when you look at some of the matches on 205 Live on the network these days, those matches go about 15 minutes. This one went about 7, 8 ish maybe 10 minutes i'm not sure uh i didn't re-watch this pay-per-view like i did the bad blood pay-per-view to refresh my memory but most of the pay-per-view because i forget i've seen it so many times i just did not watch it recently i'll probably watch it later today um to you know relive those memories because again it's such a great pay-per-view and it is my favorite star series pay-per-view <clears throat> excuse me a little gassy uh, this was a fun match, because I mean, I've always loved Billy Kidman ever since his, his time in WCW, uh, when I was first introduced to him as part of Raven's Flock, when he used, when he had the emo hair and he was always scratching himself like he was a, like he was a, a crack fiend. Um, um, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not making that up, that if anyone who doesn't remember, who didn't watch the, him in WCW when he was part of the Raven's Flock, yeah, he, that was his creative input for the character, that he would scratch himself like he was, like he was a drug, like some kind of drug addict. Um, of course, eventually he got rid of that, but yeah. And Jamie Noble, he he's another one that I've always been a fan of, and you know he's retired from in-ring competition and is a backstage agent and producer for WWE. And Billy Kidman, he's a producer as well. So you know, good for them that that they're you know on good terms with WWE like that. That you know they didn't burn bridges like some of the other people over the years, like you know like Charlie Haas. He he burnt bridges with a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, there was a nice little spot with uh, Nidia, who was Jamie Noble's manager at the time, uh, getting kicked off the apron, which, I mean, those kind of managers, they, they always have that spot where the manager gets kicked off kicked off the apron either by the opponent or the, by the superstar she manages. Um, then eventually Kidman got the win with his shooting star press, which, I mean... I mean, his shooting star press was, you know, he, he did a good shooting star press, but just, I don't know... Rewatch, especially rewatching some of the WCW stuff on the network, um, like his the way he did the shoot and star press, like he would, like almost like go off center, and I just, you know, I'm surprised he he never broke his legs on the ropes. I know he would, he did have a few botches where he hit the ropes, and there was the one at that time in 2004 where he gave Chavo Guerrero a concussion, but just like the way he's like, I mean, most most of us who you know, most of you listening who remember Billy Kidman, yeah, that he would. Like, almost, yeah, go off-center and go to the side a little bit. It would always freak me out when he would do it. Um, you know, because, like, but, you know, like, Matt Seidel, you know, his his shoot star press was flawless. Um, Paul Paul London, his shoot star press was great as well. I almost said Paul Heyman. Imagine him doing a shoot star press. Um... And then we followed. We followed this match up. Uh, was the hard? It was a hardcore match. Uh, Trish Stratus defending the women's, the original women's championship against Victoria. This was cool because it was the first time that I can remember. Uh, actually, no, it was not the first time because the, the I Tori uh, and Ivory that they had a hardcore match on SmackDown in 1999. But I think this was the first time they did. They had a hardcore women's match on pay per view. Um, and this was cool that. The the one thing though, because you know they 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 were supposed to have the the spot at the end of the match with the mirror, uh, but Trish I guess like you know not paying attention to where to her surroundings that she stepped on the mirror and cracked it prematurely. So Victoria had to improvise by with the ending of the match with the with the fire extinguisher. But you know if Trish didn't 
didn't mess up that mirror. It would have been cool to see just how fucked up that mirror spot would have been. But that was a great match. I mean, I mean, Victoria and Trish, they always had great matches. I mean, and, you know, Trish is a Hall of Famer for a reason. And Victoria, I'm surprised she hasn't gotten a Hall of Fame in induction for WWE yet. She, I know she will eventually, but it's just some... Oh, maybe next year she'll get it. Who knows? Oh. Uh, but that was another great match as well. Victoria, you know, defeating Trish to win her first of many championships during her wrestling career. Because uh, she would go on to be a multi-time women's champion in WWE, knockout champion in TNA, championships and other promotions uh, all, all along the way as well. Uh, I miss seeing her on my TV. Uh, anyways, um, then after this, we had the... F the first of our main event world championship matches, we had the WWE Championship Brock Lesnar defending against the Big Show. I know, amazing. You know, 2002 Brock Lesnar WWE Champion Survivor Series, and here we are in 2019. Brock Lesnar is WWE Champion going into Survivor Series again. Uh, it's, it's funny how things happen like that. Um, you know, but this time around, Brock Lesnar was was the babyface, and uh, going into this match with Big Show, and it was a pretty quick match. It was actually like a five or six minute match, kind of like the match he had with Goldberg at WrestleMania uh, 33 in Orlando a couple of years ago, and because uh, uh, I think in real life he had broken Brock had broken ribs, he was taped up for the match. I don't know if it was legitimate broken ribs or just part of the storyline. Uh, Big Show, he had his arm wrapped up because on on the SmackDown before that, I remember that uh, when Brock tackled him into the stairs, the corner of the steps punctured like a spot in his forearm, and that, and that shit bled pretty bad. It looked it looked bad. From I remember I remember watching it on that SmackDown. That that's that. Ugh. Uh, maybe I should watch that also before I watch the Survivor Series. Anyways, uh, the match itself again, it was a short match, but. It was, you know, kind of your typical Brock Lesnar match that you would get now, uh, with, you know, but but this one because it was the first time that him and Big Show had fought on tele WWE television. I'm sure they had a few house show matches before then, uh, as they usually do when they're testing out uh, these programs before they take it to television. Um, and this is when we got to see Brock, you know, lifting up the Big Show for all these suplexes, uh, and then doing the F5 to him, which, you know, people in the garden went nuts for that. Um, you know, my brother, he was there live, so he, he had the time of his life going to that. Um, uh, you know, then this is also where Paul Heyman turned on Brock Lesnar, uh, and joined up with Big Show, and cost Lesnar the match, where and then Big Show became the WWE Champion the second time WWE Champion in this match. And, and then they, you know, hightailed it out, out of the garden because they knew Brock Lesnar was going to fuck them up. Uh, and then we followed this one up with the, with the triple threat uh, tag team match for the SmackDown tag team titles at the time. Uh, which, you know, th that original SmackDown tag team title uh, would is... The lineage of it is what is now the Raw Tag Team Championships, which is just kind of funny when, when you say that out loud, that the first ever SmackDown Tag Team Championships are what we now know as the Raw Tag Team Championships. And if you don't believe me, just, you know, do the research. Check out the lineage of that of that championship on WWE.com. You'll see. Um, it was the... Uh, it was... Los Guerreros, which was Eddie and Chavo, and um, Brock Lesnar... See, Brock Lesnar, my mind, sorry... Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle uh, taking on 
the reigning champions of that time, Edge and Rey Mysterio. And this was another, because uh, for that period of the brand extension for WWE and uh, for SmackDown, that they they, they were what what they what was known as the SmackDown Six. Uh, you know, Eddie, Chavo, Ray, Edge, Benoit, Angle, uh, because they were put on the best matches on a weekly basis on SmackDown uh, from basically August to. Pretty much until Edge got had had to leave for neck surgery. Every week they were putting on the best matches and they were stealing the show pretty almost every time. You know they they, they were they were the best uh, of the best during that time period. And um, just all you got to do is just put on the episodes of SmackDown from uh, August two thousand two all the way up until February two thousand three, and you'll see that they were the highlights of of the of the of the blue brand for that period. Um, but this was a awesome awesome match and it just uh, thinking about it now it's like i long for the for that time where the tag team division actually meant something you know is i mean yeah they got a, they got great a lot of great tag teams now like i love the new day <clears throat> i love the viking raiders i love the revival uh love gallus and anderson the oc the club whatever they're they're called now of uh, you know NXT tag tag division, I love them as well. You know Undisputed Era, uh, Street Profits, I love them too. Uh, but it's just the division is not as strong as it was back in two thousand two. It, it's it's just not. Uh, and then the Raw Tag Team Champions during that time was Chris Jericho and Christian. <sighs> they, they they were such an underrated tag team. They really were. Um, but anyways, back to this triple that tag tag team match. Um, one of my favorite spots in the match, uh, well, actually, it was someone they had their original match, uh, it was a two out of three falls match, it was Edge and Mysterio against Benoit and Angle, because Benoit and Angle were the inaugural champions for for, at that, for that one. That was the spot where, uh, Mysterio is running and Angle tosses him up over his head, and he lands on the top rope, and, you know, he's, he does, he just lands perfectly on the top rope. When they tried to do that spot again in this match, Mysterio slipped, and but you know it was okay because you're not always going to land those spots perfect every single time. So I can't fault him for that, and also because it was a fairly new spot that they that they that they introduced to the WWE audience, so it's not always going to be perfect. <laughs> but still, it was an awesome match, and capped with Eddie and Chavo winning their first tag team championships together and. That's another that that they were another awesome tag team and and the vignettes that they had uh, when they incorporated the lie cheat steal gimmick uh, into into the onto the team, uh, I, I I miss Eddie so much he was he was awesome, uh, and I, I'm I, I wish they would do another you know Eddie Guerrero documentary you know thing for uh, for like DVD Blu-ray for or for the WWE Network because uh, the lie cheat the cheating death seal and life documentary they did in 2004 they don't have that on the network and I wish they would have that um, because I actually I don't because I don't think I even remember I don't even remember if I if I got to watch it when they because they originally aired it on UPN at the time when it was when it was when UPN still existed and then they released it on DVD um, but they don't have it on the network. Uh, but I, I would love. I hope that they will that they would do like an updated, uh, d- biographical do- documentary on him, 
uh, like they did for Stone Cold, because they had the Stone Cold Truth documentary that they did on UPN and had the DVD, but then they have the new one that it was uh, the that it was the Stone Cold Steve Austin the the bottom line on the you know the greatest WWE superstar of all time or something like that, which that is a, the best Stone Cold documentary that WWE ever produced. It's one of my favorite documentaries that WWE's ever produced. Period. Um, anyways, I, I keep going off track with some of this stuff. Um, anyways, yeah the. It was a great match, um, uh, and I would honestly say it was probably my second favorite match of the whole, of the whole pay per view. Um, when looking at, but again, the whole pay per view was damn near perfect. Um, but yeah, the triple threat tag team title match is my second favorite match of the pay per view. And then after this, we had uh, Christopher Nowinski came out to you know basically shit on New York City, calling them uh, uh, stupid. And then Matt Hardy came out, and everyone thought that he was going to come defend, you know, the honor of New York. And instead, he just he said that New Yorkers are not stupid; they're losers. And you know, I I thought it was hilarious when he when they when they would having that. And this is where we got the return slash debut of Scott Steiner, return of Scott Steiner, but debut of Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner to the WWE, which was a lot of fun. Even though his career, his WWE career for in this era, was not the best, and you know some WWE fans would like to bl like you know would blame it on him, just you know not knowing what the fuck he was doing. But I mean, when he was in TNA from like two thousand five ish, two thousand six ish to like a few years later, like be yeah, like two thousand six to I would say two thousand. 2010 he was having some he was having some pretty good matches that were much better than what he was having in WWE during this period but that debut at the garden was awesome the, the garden went nuts for it it was cool the his entrance music was awesome um we all loved it and he you know suplexed the hell out of Nowinski and and Matt Hardy threw them both out of the ring and I hate that they edited this out on the DVD and then on the network version of the of this, but when he goes to to get a microphone, they on the live broadcast it's a very clear and audible "Give me the fucking mic," and I just love that. I wish I still had my original VHS recording of it because that was so fun. And then he also and the uh, from the the, tr the tag team tables match when Jeff was late for, for on the table spot that even you hear Rico shout out come on Jeff god damn it <laughs> um uh, oh and also I forgot that right after that table match we had a it was a live performance from Saliva performing always with the theme song for Survivor Series um and you know and I am a Saliva fan that was you know so it was cool getting to see them they had, they had performed at Sorry, I'm so gassy tonight. Uh, they had performed at WrestleMania 18 earlier in the year, uh, so that was that was a cool performance there too, and it was cool seeing them here at Survivor Series. Uh, they were performing from uh, the what was um, WWF New York, and then it later on became the World, and is now currently uh, I believe it's I believe it still is a Hard Rock Cafe in Times Square. Um, I. I, I did used to go to that one when it was WWF New York. I never I didn't go to it when it was when they renamed it the World or when it became Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, but that was such a fun store. I wish it never closed. Um, um, but yeah, that performance was pretty cool. And then we had the main event of the evening, 
the Elimination Chamber match. Uh, Triple H defending the World Heavyweight Championship uh, against Chris Jericho, Booker T, Rob Van Dam, Kane, and returning for his second match since WrestleMania 14 as Shawn Michaels. Of course, he had made his WWE return earlier in that summer, having his first match in five years, uh, well, four years, against Triple H at SummerSlam in the non-sanctioned match, which was just uh, such a perfect match. Uh, and that is also my all-time favorite SummerSlam pay-per-view. But, uh, this, and also to me, this is still the greatest Elimination Chamber match that WWE has ever had. They've had a lot of great matches, great chamber matches since then, but this one, this is the one that every single time I decide to watch it, I am, my attention, my, it grabs my attention from bell to bell. I don't check my phone. I don't check, I don't play around on my laptop. I don't get distracted by anything. My focus is on that match because that match is, is just amazing and just uh, nothing. I, I can't. I can't say enough great things about this match. Uh, the, other, the other thing about this match that it was also very well known for the Triple H getting a throat injury from a sort of botched, well, not even sort, just a botched five star fox flash uh, from the top of one of the chamber pods that RVD did because uh, Triple H he scooted up a little more because I guess he thought that it, you know Art Van Dam couldn't clear the distance. So, and doing so, Van Dam had to kind of alter his body in the process and his and his knee just bam full force right out of the triple h's throat and god and and again another they because they edited out on the on the dvd the on the live broadcast triple you can hear triple h go because because he his he was fucked up and just god damn that was a bad spot uh, but hey, RVD had a lot of cool spots in this match. Like uh, when he climbed the top rope, and then uh, he was gonna get a he was gonna dive on Chris Jericho, um, uh, and he ended up jumping on. He ended up landing on the wall, uh, like like Jerry Lawler said, like Spider Man. That was uh, that was really cool. Uh, basically, RVD was the MVP of this match with the high spots that he performed. Um, uh, just again, like I can't, I nothing, I can't really, nothing I say can really do this match justice. It's just such an amazing match. Um, the fans were into it from start to finish. It was so amazing. Um, Jericho getting his ass launched right into the to the chamber pods by Kane was a pretty gnarly spot that I don't think anyone. I mean, we kind of figured something was gonna happen, but it just boom right into it. Like there was no build up to it. Kane just grabbed Jericho and just launched him right into the glass, and that and that hurt. Even though it, it was plexiglass. When it, when those 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 sharp edges and those corners can still cut the hell out of you, they really can. Um, I mean, I wouldn't know from experience. It's just I've seen those those broken edges. That can still that can still puncture punch, that can still cut a vein or puncture a lung. It's it can kill it can kill you <laughs> if you're not careful. Um, and then of course when Shawn Michaels got in there with his his doo doo brown tights that were that were not complete uh, apparently because. I mean, we all remember, and he and he wore the cowboy boots instead of the, his 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 wrestling boots that he that he was known for, um, and he had the the weird like like they call it Dutch boy haircut, um, but still he had a great spot great spots in this match too, um, like the the elbow drop off the top of the the chamber pod and you know when he finally got Triple H with the with the sweet chin music and. 
you know, and they have, and then you look at the 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 gar- fans in the garden just they pop so loud when he got the sweet chin music that, the, and then and he gets the one two three on Triple H to win the world title, that they have to actually lower the audio on the crowd because it was that loud. Uh, and you know, I don't know, I haven't seen the the network brought version of it in a while, so I can't remember if it if the audio if the audio is still like that. But I remember that that's how it was, and it was just. Yeah, so I, I can't only imagine how loud it was live in the garden. Uh, I don't know, I should ask my brother uh, if he could describe that to me. Um, yeah, and also, so you know, like going back to the saliva reports, they performed Jericho's King of My World entrance music uh, uh, for the live for this one as well. So that was really cool too. Um, and that was that was a very underrated entrance song for for Jericho. I know "Break the Walls Down" is his you know his famous WWE entrance music, and right now he has Judas uh, by his band Fozzy as his entrance music in AEW, which that is such a great song. It really is. And if you haven't listened to that to that Judas album, anyone that's listening to this right now, please do yourselves a favor. Go on Spotify. Go to you know Apple Music. You go on YouTube. Anything that anywhere that you you prefer and just check it out. Check out that album. It is such a great album. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I I try not to give you know like perfect like five star or ten out of ten scores for stuff like this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. To me, even with some of the little botches here and there, this Survivor Series pay per view is a perfect ten out of ten to me. It really is. Uh, it's I never get tired. It's. Like when I decided to watch some of these old, these older pay-per-views, so I'll skip you know certain segments and certain matches. But this is one of those pay-per-views that I don't skip any segment or any match. I watch it from the opening uh, signature to the end of the end of the broadcast when it has the copyright Titan Sports 2000 whatever. You know, not every pay-per-view do I do that for, but Survivor Series, Survivor Series 2002. Is the pay-per-view that I always do that for? Is one of them at least one of the handful of pay-per-views that I do that for? Survivor Series 2002, SummerSlam 2002, WrestleMania 17, Royal Rumble 2000, um, SummerSlam 1998. Uh, sure, there's more, but off the top of my head, those are the ones that I w- I have to watch from start to finish, no skipping anything. Um, and if you've never seen Survivor Series 2002, I urge you very much to, to fire up that WWE network, scroll over to the WWE pay-per-views section, get all, get to the Survivor Series title, hop over to 2002, and have a good time. And that does it for this edition of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views. I hope you enjoyed hearing me give a very brief recap and my little side stories that I went and side tangents that I went off on for this one. Uh, make sure you also check out my previous one for Bad Blood from October 1997, Bad Blood in Your House, which was the debut of Kane and the debut of the Hell in a Cell match. Um, check out my worst to best uh, episodes for Spider Man, Batman, and Halloween, uh, my retro film reviews, uh, my regular film reviews, my previous podcast episodes. Um, uh, Donate to my Patreon. A link to that will be in the description. It's only $5 a month. Uh, check out the Metatides Podcast Store for any cool shirts that you might that you think I have. I currently have 12 
shirts available in uh, various designs and styles, as well as in sticker and wall art format, and a couple of them are available in coffee mugs as well. Um, and make sure you subscribe to the Menetize Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, YouTube. Um, Follow me on Twitter at IamFozzitude for all podcast updates. Follow me on Instagram, Fozzitude, for the fun memes and other stuff and time hop and whatever posts that I have on there. Uh, follow me on Vero at Fozzitude for the fun stuff I do on there sometimes. Um, thank you all so much for tuning into this edition of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views. I hope you all have a wonderful week and have had a wonderful weekend. And that... Uh, uh, if you celebrate, uh, I guess, um, American Thanksgiving uh, coming up next week, that you will have a good time with that. Uh, and I will have my Survivor Series 2019 predictions this Saturday, so I don't know why I'm saying Happy Thanksgiving a week ahead. Um, but, again, thank you all so much for tuning in, for subscribing. I appreciate every single one of you who do. Um this has been Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views from the Menetites Podcast. I am Julian, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.